thinking of the rapture in that blessed home on high when the redeemed oh, are gathered in. Together in. How we'll sing that heavenly anthem in that city in the sky when the redeemed are gathering in. Now when the redeemed are gathering in, watch like snow at the crossing. Oh, how we will shout, how we'll sing. Now when the redeemed are gathering in, we will sing redemption story with our voices loud and long. When the redeemed are gathering in, then the angels have to listen, for they cannot sing this song. When the redeemed are gathering in, now when the redeemed are gathering in, washed like snow and free from sin, oh how we want to shout, and how we sing, now when the redeemed Gathering in, gathering in. The Savior will give orders to prepare the bank report when the redeemed are gathering in. And we'll hear his invitation, come ye blessed of the Lord, when the redeemed are gathering in. But the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Shall, and that's First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. But verse 17 there, in red, it says, shall be caught up together. That's the rapture. That, that phrase, that's a phrase, uh, means uh, the rapture. What we would call today the rapture. So this is the first um, series of scripture um, that is really one of the major series of scriptures about the rapture. And let me check here to see if my co-host is with us and he is hello brother dave you sound surprised john that i'm here no 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 i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding no 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 no, no. what happens is we have like a more people in the room here than usual and i had to scan it to see if you were here and you were here there we go so um how was everything with you? And then, well, I tell you what, let's read the scriptures. Uh, sure. Let me get over here for, um, I'm a little troubled here with the scriptures. All right. I got them. And we're ready for you right now. Sure. So first Corinthians chapter 15, starting at verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. <clears throat> we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkle of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on corruption, and this, Im- and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, 
death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Okay, uh, Dave, this is the second, um, I'm going to say series of scriptures, because there's other scriptures that kind of clearly show the rapture doctrine. And what makes the rapture doctrine so um, uh, what would I, what, so provable, let's say, because it is definitely under attack, is that uh, the Lord, we meet the Lord in the air. So that's what's, uh, keep in mind, with the rapture, the Lord call, comes from heaven, calls us, we meet him in the air. Now, his classic second coming is when his feet stand that day on the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. So the second coming, he's coming to Jerusalem. When he comes for his bride, the church, we meet him in the air. So let's take a look now at the Blessed Hope. And uh, let me get the Blessed Hope over so people can see it. Uh, Titus 2, 11 through 15, but actually 13 is the key to it. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So looking for the blessed hope is the same as looking for the rapture. Christ coming for us. He actually calls and there is a, uh, we are, at that point, we are translated, our body is translated from being a uh, flesh and blood to a body like Jesus Christ. And uh, then he takes us instantly, it happens, and he takes us to heaven. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. All right, Dave, and I'm glad you're here, and I hope uh, you did well. I hope you had a good week. Yeah, everything went very smooth, John. Very good. Okay. Now, um, uh, we, me and you had a conversation uh, today before the show, and I, we both kind of said the same thing without saying it. At least that's the way I interpret it. Um, this tremendous pressure building, folks, as we follow this weekly, and it's on so many angles. But in the Middle East, uh, it's enormous. It's like a big pressure cooker. And Dave, um, I don't see anything letting up uh, on this pressure. I don't see any safety valve there. Uh, it's just building and building and building. So it, it, it's very conceivable where there's going to it's going to erupt in a all-out. What they're calling it a regional war in the Middle East there with Israel and a cast and a whole bunch of. Uh, Islamic nations. So um, let's go with you, Dave, to see what is what's key to you right now, bubbling in that cauld that cauldron out there. Well, John, um, this just came over the news. It says Israel sabotaged two major Iranian gas pipelines. Uh, it's a major reputation blow for Iran's intelligence and security agencies. The attack suggests suggested a covert network operating in Iran linked to Israel. Israel appears to have conducted uh, attacks on two major natural gas pipelines inside Iran this week. 
disrupting heat and cooking gas supplies in several provinces. The sabotage marked an escalation in the shadow war between Israel and Iran. This shows that the covert networks operating in Iran have expanded their target list and advanced beyond just military and nuclear sites. That's the first thing. And the yeah, next one, Dave, Dave, I, I just want yeah, to add yeah, something to that. Um, sure. What, what, um, what was so impressive about it, if that's the right word, was apparently those lines were sunk real deep in the ground. So it took like a, like a massive, uh, one of those, um, bunker busters, the real powerful ones that Israel's using in Gaza. That's apparently right. what was used to take those gas lines out. Yeah. So that, that that's, I didn't know. That's very yeah. interesting, John. So that's why they believed that it had to be Israel. Because these right, were sure. on the surface. These were deep. Yeah. So go ahead, Dave. Yeah, sure. And the next one, um, we've been talking about it for a long time. Um, it says Iran is drawing closer to possible conflict as it simulates attacks on an Israeli base and signals that it could create a nuclear weapon if officials ordered it. Iranian braggadocio about their nuclear program is reaching a new high and unprecedented levels, a senior fellow at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies told Fox News. Iran's former atomic energy chief is essentially hinting that Tehran has all the pieces of a nuclear weapon in place, but disassembled. This commentary should be raising red flags for anyone who thought diversion of visual material was the only thing that needed to be prevented and accounted for with international monitoring. The quiet part out loud here is that Tehran does not fear the Biden administration's response to these claims. By tipping their hand about uh, mastered but dispersed nuclear capabilities, Iranian officials may be gunning for a nuclear sweet spot, benefiting from the deterrent dividends that goes on. But John, Israel is not going to let Iran get a nuclear weapon. And the article basically says not only do they have enough um, enriched uranium to make one, but they also have the parts to make a bomb. So we're getting so close to Israel attacking Iran's nuclear sites. And by them... (laughs) Like you just, you know, we talked about them bombing uh, the natural gas uh, pipelines. Israel's able to do it. But when they do do it, um, like you just mentioned, John, a regional war. And Iran, um, you know, uh, the Strait of Hormoz goes right through the Persian Gulf. 20% of the world's oil goes through there. If Iran closes uh, the uh, Strait of Hormoz during uh, a conflict, Forget about getting oil. How much is it going to be? Who knows? It's just going to go through the roof, John. And that's going to have dramatic economic implications. And then, you know, I don't have the article, but it's uh, the Houthis have been escalating their strikes in the Red Sea, disrupting trade through the Suez Canal. And then I don't have the article, but uh, Egypt is threatening to um, basically cancel their, uh, their peace treaty with Israel. They've moved uh, the military uh, you know, materials up to the border. Uh, so things are getting very tense, John, to say the least. Very tense. Yeah, I wanted to comment here uh, uh, about what you said about the uh, Houthis there. or the No, 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 the Egyptians. Um, now, Egypt did warn uh, Netanyahu against invading Gaza. 
Oh, the Gaza, the section of Gaza called Rafa. Now, Rafa is right on the border, the southern border of Gaza, literally uh, on the border with uh, Egypt. And uh, the Israelis have destroyed uh, Hamas, the entire military structure, except for around Rafa. So that's where Hamas is apparently going to make its last stand. Israel has been destroying huge amounts of um, the um, tunnels. I mean, it's incredible the amount of tunnels. I'm wondering if uh, if Gaza can stand with all these tunnels. In other words, it's like honeycombed underneath it, and it's uh, it's sand. It's not it's not rock. So I'm just questioning this: How many tunnels can be built before you weaken the uh, the whole ground above it? You follow? Well, John, yeah, sure. The drone footage, um, you know, that's all over the internet and on the news basically shows you that they say 70% of the infrastructure, the buildings, the hospitals, um, everything, the schools, the universities, everything in northern Gaza and heading on to southern Gaza is destroyed. There's nothing left, basically. Um, so now even if the uh, Palestinians uh, wanted to go back to where they were living, there's nothing there. No electricity, no water, nothing. Everything's been destroyed. So this is, a, and you know, the world is, uh, you know, calling for ceasefire. They're telling Israel to stop the Biden administration. There's a little article yeah, Dave, talking about the fact that, Dave, they, yeah, sorry. Dave, hold on. I want to finish about Egypt. Oh yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So what's happened is um, in 1979, Egypt and Israel and uh, Jordan, and I don't think Syria, they entered into a treaty, uh, basically, which is in place still today. And it, it sort of functioned pretty good uh, between these nations. But um, Egypt is threatening uh, Israel not to attack uh, Rafa, or it could end that treaty. They'll end that treaty. So um, Israel is paying no attention to it, Dave, or no, paying no attention to Egypt, and they are going to finish off Hamas, and that's all there is to it. So Egypt has, excuse me, <coughs> Egypt has moved uh, a good part of its army into that area. Now they have four thousand tanks, and they have. Uh, let me fact. Let me read from the article. Egypt may become an unstoppable enemy for Israel, former IDF general warns. Although it's a poor country, it's the strongest army in the Middle East today. 4,000 tanks, 2,000 modern ones, uh, hundreds of the most advanced aircraft, and a navy of the, uh, 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 of the better. There is. For years, they have been building uh, highways into the Sinai, where the, tar- uh, where the target, they are building uh, the army, or they are, excuse me, they're not building the army for anyone else. This means one decision to cancel peace, they become an enemy state, and we don't even have a brigade to stand against it. Well, Israel is not prepared right now to go to war with Egypt, but so they moved quite a bit of their military and Dave, I don't know if it's a, a feint on the part of um, Egypt or not, 
but at first they said they were not going to allow any of the Palestinians into Egypt. And then they built like a, uh, a walled camp right in, in Egypt, right up against the border. And they're talking about allowing 100,000 Palestinians into that camp from Rafa to, to take the pressure off um, civilians being killed. But it's kind of odd. They have really brought up their military tanks and all this facing Israel right at the southern border. And they've talked to, they've talked about breaking this covenant here, this treaty. And so they got the tanks there. Now they said they're going to take 100,000 uh, refugees, but basically until the fighting's over, and then they got to go back. So Egypt, uh, it's, it's, um, they've changed. They've done a 180 saying that Israel better not attack and it could affect the treaty. And now they didn't say anything about the treaty, but they are saying they're going to take a hundred thousand refugees from Gaza, but their army is pointed directly at, um, Israel, Dave. Now, very interesting, John. Adding to this, adding to this. Um, what happens is the public in Egypt is absolutely ready for war with Israel. The pub, in fact, the public wants war for Israel, with Israel. So, uh, the Egyptian government right now, by what they're saying, is against huge numbers of the public. And, um, uh, so the public is not putting up with this. They want the war with Israel, and the Egyptian government is saying, no, we're not going to, this is what we're going to do. We're going to release these, temporarily release 100,000 into Egypt. But if you're going to do that, why do you have your army, I don't know what percentage of it, but the tanks are lined up there and all, and they're doing one thing, they're facing right at Gaza. So, folks, we know from scriptures, we know when you look at Ezekiel uh, 29 through 31, especially chapter 30, it talks about the day the Lord is near and what's going to happen to Egypt. And it's not good, folks. Egypt is going to be so thoroughly destroyed that they have to flee into the world. Uh, Egypt is going to be uninhabitable. So there we go, Dave. That's the update with Egypt. And uh, Israel is ready to go. It may be any day uh, that Israel is going to attack uh, Rafa, and they want to finish off the war. No treaties, uh, no um, ceasefire with uh, Hamas. And the, the the thing is, the a lot of people are screaming about the um, uh, about the hostages. Now the problem with that, Dave, is it's a terrible thing with the hostage, but this is war. And is Israel going to let Hamas gain political and economic and military advantage during a ceasefire when they may lose hundreds and hundreds of troops killed and wounded in that during that, you know, the, the, uh, them recovering during the ceasefire? So uh, hostages are a tough thing, Dave, but this is war. Yeah, Dave. 
Exactly, John. And, you know, talking about the Egyptians uh, making a uh, fenced off situation for 100,000 of the Palestinians, I think there's like 1.2 million people yes. in Rafa. So well, well, it's no, really not it, going to, yeah. In southern, uh, Israel has divided uh, Gaza into two sections. Right. The north and the south. And what they did was they cut it in half and they systematically destroyed the north. And then they bombed strategically the south. Now they've defeated the north. The north is really maybe little snipers here and there. But so now Israel has been moving its army in the south. And there have been big battles there, a place called Kanyunis. It's been a big battle. It was one of the big um, strongholds of Hamas. And Israel has defeated them. They've, they've, their army has progressively moved south, south, south. And right now, Hamas, the ones that could escape, they're in Rafah which is right on the border with, I mean, literally right on the border with Egypt. So they're cornered now. They're cornered. And Israel has the potential of um, destroying uh, Hamas right now because the Israelis have conquered all the rest of Gaza, north of it, and their army is basically a, it's all pointed right at Rafah. So that's the, exactly John. That, that's yeah. the structure. That's the structure of the war right now. Exactly, and the entire planet is telling Israel not to do it. They're threatening Israel, and um, you know, if Israel wants to take out Hamas, which they do want to do, they have no choice but to do this. Yeah, Israel. The Israeli military says they're going to go. Uh, Netanyahu says they're going to go, and the Israeli government says they're going to go. And uh, I've been talking to Pastor Doe, who has direct um, contacts in Israel, and he told me the, uh, the Israeli population does not want to hear anything. They want Hamas finished off, and and they want Hezbollah finished off. So, I mean, I don't know how long uh, Hamas can hold out in Rafah, uh, but... It doesn't look like it's they're going to last too long, Dave. When you know a big chunk of the Israeli army is right there, pointed their tanks and artillery and planes right at them. So, uh, and then we'll talk. I want we want to talk about the north, and that will be Lebanon. So that's the latest, Dave, with um, Gaza. Uh, Hamas had twenty-two brigades. Now I don't know. I think a brigade is a thousand because they said um, Hamas had about 20,000. I don't call them fighters. I call them terrorists. So Israel has um, destroyed 18 brigades. So that would be 18,000. And there's four left with maybe, you know, combining fragments of the others. So maybe they have about five, 6,000. Know, and the, the whole Israeli army is, not the whole Israeli army, but a large portion of it is looking right at them, waiting to finish them off. So what is the world going to do, Dave? And what is what is Hezbollah going to do? And what's Syria going to do? And Iraq going to do? And Iran going to do? If uh, Israel finishes off 
Hamas, I mean, that's one of their buddies, Dave, that they're all sworn to destroy Israel. And added to that, which is very important, and we have to watch this, folks, I look at it every day, is Judea and Samaria, commonly known as the West Bank, because Hamas is operating in there, Dave, and uh, almost every day uh, the uh, Israeli army goes into uh, the West Bank and they are going after terrorists. They're going after ammunition depots. They're arresting terrorists, shooting terrorists, killing terrorists. Uh, they're all Hamas. But apparently the, uh, the West Bank, the people there are boiling against Israel. They are 100, well, I won't say 100, but they're 90% in favor of Hamas. And uh, they're boiling. And apparently uh, there's all sorts of information about the West Bank erupting really soon, Dave. And I think if the West Bank erupts, uh, Jordan's going to go with it. So that's really the, the big picture of where we're at. But as I follow this, Dave, it's... Um, it, it's it's like a volcano that is, uh, you know how it gets bigger and bigger before it blows apart? You can see the ground exactly. rising. That's what yep. I'm, sen I'm, I'm sensing here is uh, like a volcano ground rising and rising. Because, folks, God has put it into Israeli, their Israeli hearts based on October 7th that they cannot, they cannot coincide with the uh, Palestinians. They can't. They can't be trusted. Um, once, I, I guess it could have been smoothed over, Dave, if the uh, uh, West Bank population would have said it's horrible what Hamas did and it was just terrible and we renounce them and we want Israel to uh, do away with Hamas. And in and, and Gaza, if the people said, Yes, free us from Hamas. We want to be freed from Hamas. But that's not what happened there. That is not what happened. I mean, huge numbers, percentage of the population, like 70%, was 100% behind Hamas. So the idea of a two-state solution is, um, what should we call it, Dave? Fantasy? Delusion? It's a delusion? It's a delusion. So that's where we are, and every day it's it's really building. So, Dave, um, go ahead, take over, and how do you want to uh, sure. add to it? Yeah, sure. Uh, interesting article about uh, the two-state solution. Um, Israel will not be pressured into accepting a Palestinian state, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said on Friday, following a Washington Post report that Israel's main ally, the United States, was moving plans to establish a Palestinian state. Israel categorically rejects international dictates regarding the permanent settlement with the Palestinians, said Netanyahu in a statement published following a call with U.S. President Joe Biden. Israel will continue to oppose unilateral recognition of a Palestinian state. Now, this, what I'm telling you now, is not in the article. It was on Israeli news. One of the uh, reporters basically said that when Biden was uh, referring to Netanyahu, he, I'm not going to repeat what he said, but he used some pretty outrageous expletives or curses referring to Netanyahu. 
Then it goes on. Netanyahu said statehood would be a huge reward in the wake of the October 7th Hamas-led attack on Israel, which triggered the latest war in Gaza. He said that he said such an arrangement can only be reached in direct negotiations between the two sides, though no talks have been held since uh, 2014. The Washington Post reported on Thursday that the United States was working with some Arab countries, including Egypt, Jordan, United Arab Emirates, Emirates, Qatar, and Saudi Arabia, with which Israel has long sought to establish diplomatic ties on a post-war plan for the region that will include a firm timeline for the establishment of a Palestinian state. So, John, it's <laughs> forgive me for laughing. It's so sad that churches, Christian churches all around the country, if you can't make the connection between what Zachariah said, Jerusalem and Judea would be a burdensome stone, and this article that I just read, it's like reading Isaiah 53 and not connecting it with the crucifixion or Psalm 22 and not connecting it with Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. I mean, what don't they understand? It's on the news. It's a direct connection. You know, like you want an angel come down and hand you a telegraph. I mean, you know, like a, a telegram. I mean, it's Dave, so obvious. It's like ridiculous. Dave, it's a yes. it's spiritual warfare. Yeah. You know? I mean, why didn't the Pharisees, Jesus was the Messiah, when he, like, the blind, the blind was could immediately see blind from birth. He raised how many people from the dead? Well, Lazarus, he raised from the dead right before he went to the cross. So right. what? What? It's a test of hearts, Dave. So it's a it's a spiritual test. And the ones that you're saying, you know, what's wrong with them? They can't see it. It's because spiritually there's something wrong. They're blind. I mean, Dave, it's right in front of their eyes, but they might as well be, you know, like physically blind. They can't see it. That's the problem. So all of these pulpits that are silent or all of them that are saying, well, Israel and, and Hamas, they're equally wrong. And, um, you know, the, 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 the Jews, they'll, they'll say it derogatory. They'll say, it, you know, the Jews have to be stopped now. They're, they're mass murderers. When they say that, first of all, they're not mass murderers. Um, it should be, Dave, it should be 180 degrees saying the whole world has to pressure Hamas to uh, stop using civilians uh, and stop. Uh, uh, they should be surrendering to Israel now for what they did. You know, that should be the pressure. They need to be forced by the world, no way out, that they have to surrender to Israel. And that way the, uh, the war will stop and the, uh, the civilians will, won't be killed. That's the answer, Dave. And they're, they're not, they're lined up behind Hamas. So it shows you, you know, they, the, the, the Hamas covenant there is for anyone to read. And their goal is the utter, complete, total, destruct, obliviate, ob, ob, obliviating, that's not the word, obliterating, uh, Israel. Uh, so these churches and political leaders that get behind this, they, they're getting behind literally terrorists by their own writing and their own speeches. Well, there we go, Dave. And it's all, Israel is not going to hear anything. It's going to end Hamas. So what is Iran going to do and Hamas in the West Bank, Hamas in 
uh, Jordan Hamas in uh, Lebanon. Uh, what are they going to do? Well, they're going to continue fighting, Dave. And they believe in martyrdom, and they're dying for Allah. Uh, they go to heaven uh, when they die. That's that's what they believe. That's a big motivation for them. Dave, I wanted to go over and uh, a couple other things. Uh, this is from the American Navy. It's just I thought it was interesting. It says U.S. warships are shooting down weapons no one ever faced in combat before and a navy commander says it's a great opportunity so uh, these uh, the hootsies are firing uh, drones and all sorts of missiles at our our navy ships and none of them are getting through plus uh, the navy is intercepting uh, some of the uh, missiles heading from Yemen there to Israel. They've shot down a number of them, and then Israel picks them up when they get uh, up in northern Saudi Arabia and uh, towards Israel, Israel shooting the. So I thought that was real interesting, Dave, that um, th this is a whole new warfare now. Um, it started in, well, it, it really started... Uh, Dave, we, we had new, the new weapons really started with, uh, when we were at war with Iraq, that took high tech to a new level, but they've really perfected the drones, uh, in, in, uh, Iran, um, Ukraine now. I mean, they have taken it to a whole new level and literally Ukraine is using these drones to stop uh, the Russian um, uh, army. Now the Russians have apparently just uh, took a city uh, just just now. I think yesterday the Ukrainians pulled out. But they're using these drones. They've in a in a really. I mean it. It's a little drone that costs maybe I think thousand to three thousand dollars. They're putting a. Uh, one of those rocket propelled grenades on it for taking tanks out and they're flying them right at the tanks. They call them uh, kamikaze drones and taking them out. They, they put them right in bunkers, right through opening in the bunker and blowing them up. I mean, it's, they're really effective and that's what the Hootsies have. And that's what Iran has developed. So, when when this uh, this major well, Hamas is a major war really, except Israel is really has fine equipment and battle tactics. But when they get to the north in Lebanon, and apparently Iran is going to, it may have already given uh, Leb uh, Hezbollah all these drones and any aircraft any any aircraft uh, missiles and all. It's going to put Israel in a whole new ballgame, Dave. This is um, uh, Hamas, no, excuse me, Hezbollah, with really advanced uh, drones and missiles. That's going to really test Israel because, look, the Russians can't handle it, Dave. But the Israelis are far more, uh, I mean, they're not in the same league technology-wise. So, but it's going to be a test because these drones can hug, I mean, right above the tree level, 
and just follow it up and down mountains right into Israel and right into uh, military areas, civilian areas. So it, it may be impossible for Israel to stop all these uh, drones coming. So that's what to look for, Dave, in the near future. And if that's the case, um, Israel is not going to play around with Hezbollah. It will get very, very violent, very quickly, Dave, with the Israeli military against uh, Hezbollah. Any comments, Dave? Yeah, John, I think it was this week, uh, Israel um, did attack uh, southern Lebanon and killed, I think, some civilians. And Nezerala, the head of the uh, Hezbollah you know, organization, is dramatically threatening Israel. I mean, like really graphic saying, we're going to get you guys. And there was approximately, from what I understand, about 80,000 Israelis that have evacuated the northern border, right on, you know, the border of Lebanon. And in order for them to go back, um, Hezbollah has to get north of the Latani River or just cease to exist. And um, like you mentioned, John, Hezbollah is so much um, more powerful. They have a bigger army. Um, you know, reports say they have 150,000 missiles. Some of them are pre- precision-guided missiles that can, you know, with the GPS uh, guidance, go right into specific areas. So Israel is going to have to put a really abrupt end to Hezbollah. Right. I mean, right. Right. yeah, it has to be dramatic and abrupt. And, you know, they they can't uh, they can't have it you know, go on for weeks and have Hezbollah shooting, you know, thousands of missiles into Israel. So that's the next thing on the agenda. And John, in my office at work, um, I've had it for about 10 years. I have a map that's about three feet wide and four feet tall. It's Israel, the West Bank, Judea, Jerusalem, and the bottom left you have Gaza, and on the top you have Lebanon and you have Syria. But on the map, I've had it on my wall for about 10 years, it's a big map, you have missiles from Gaza shooting into Israel and missiles from Lebanon shooting into Israel. So when guys come into my office, I say, hey, was I surprised about this happening? No, I don't think so. You know, so. That's probably one of the next big things that's going to happen, John. Um, you know, the confrontation with Lebanon, and it's going to be violent, and it's going to be much, much more, um, how can we say, catastrophic for Lebanon. Um, yeah, they're going to get uh, pretty much wiped out, John. Uh, well, Israel has a much more powerful air force. Yeah, yeah. Um, Israel, through the years, on a number of occasions, told Lebanon that you're going to be completely destroyed in the war with Hezbollah because what happened is Lebanon has like sided with Hezbollah against Israel. So Israel is looking at Lebanon like, and Hezbollah is the same. So they, Israel has threatened Lebanon that you will be so destroyed that you'll never be rebuilt as a nation. No, no military will be ever be able to be use you again. So now that was before October seventh. Now after October seventh, and uh, I can't. They've all the years now. We have to look at this in perspective. All the years that Iran has been the master of using these surrogates against Israel, and now. 
Hezbollah is about to be finished off in Gaza, and Israel's going to turn on uh, on Hezbollah in Lebanon, Dave, I, I cannot see Iran letting that go. I just can't. I mean, their whole their whole terrorist empire against Israel is like being disassembled. So is Syria going to sit there and allow Israel to literally like take over Lebanon? I don't think so, Dave. I don't think so. And Iraq has about, about Iraq is split split population wise between Sunnis and Shiites, and of course the Shiites are from Iran. And there's all sorts of talk about them. Uh, jihad and they're going to come and support Hamas and support Hezbollah and take Jerusalem and all. So and then you swing around and you have Jordan there ready to go. Egypt, the populations are ready to go. I don't know about Saudi Arabia. That's kind of quiet about it. So Dave, this is like, and we know scriptures. This is like Psalm 83 now. And the confederation against Israel and want to destroy, obliterate the name of Israel off the face of the earth. And so it's Psalm 83 war, it's Obadiah, it's Zephaniah, Zechariah, and all of those, um, all the prophets there that were writing about the day the Lord is at hand. Uh, here, here, here it's, it's forming, Dave. And I, how is it going to be diffused? Is Hezbollah going to say, Okay, we're going to go back behind the Latini River there, and we will be very nice. We will not fire any missiles at you, and, you know, let's be friends. You think that's going to happen, Dave? Well, I don't think so. And the prophets, like you just mentioned, specifically say that uh, there's a confrontation coming, and it's going to be catastrophic for these countries. Yes, yes. That's why I've been saying for years and decades that um, this coming war that's clearly in the scriptures is going to obliterate Islam. It's not going to function anymore as a major religion, folks. Those entire Islamic countries are going to disappear, and they're coming with a huge army. Uh, it could be all of North Africa coming, and uh, all the ways to India they could be coming. They're like being drawn like a magnet to Jerusalem. And they're going to be obliterated. So God is about ready to break the back of Islam. So, Dave, um, there's a lot of other stuff, too. But I do want to mention what's going on in the Ukraine. Uh, the Ukraine, it's its really uh, what happened was a uh, like a major strategic city uh, for the for the Russians just fell like yesterday and the uh, Ukrainians had to withdraw from uh, the city. Now, as I followed this, um, the, the, it was a, it was a crazy battle where the Russians took 30,000 casualties. They lost hundreds and hundreds of tanks and all sorts of other equipment. So they won, they won this particular battle and uh, the Ukrainians weren't slaughtered like the Russians. So as long as the Russians have the manpower and their tanks, they're bringing out old tanks now from the 1960s. 
because all their new tanks have been destroyed in Ukraine. But as long as the Russians have the manpower and they have tanks and all, uh, they can dr they can drain Ukraine where it can't fight anymore. But here's the thing, Dave. Um, just a couple days ago, Ukraine shot down four of the top Russian airplanes, and they've sunk uh, a third, is it? A third of the Russian Navy in the Black Sea. Some of Russia's top ships have been sunk. They've been hit by drones, sea drones and air drones. So Russia cannot technologically defend itself against Ukraine. It can't. And uh, if their planes can't, if they get too close to the Ukraine, the Ukrainian like airspace, they get shot down. Their ships, Ukraine doesn't even have a navy. And just the other day, uh, they, they've blown up uh, top submarines and top ships. The Ukrainians have blown them up in, uh, like, dock. And then they just sunk, um, and apparently a lot of lives were lost on the ship. They just sunk one of the warships, the Russian warships. They hit it with three of those sea drones. They're like, um, they're like high-speed boats that are real low to the water, Dave. And they, they travel real fast and they load it up with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds of explosives. So three of them hit the Russian ship and brought it down. So now I, I said all that to say this. Uh, there's all sorts of talk about Russia invading a, uh, a NATO country and they'd have to come through Belarus to do it. But, uh, Lithu Lithuania, I think is the one that they're talking about because there's a little like island of Russia that's separated from the mainland Russia. And it's like uh, on the west end of Lithuania. Well, the Russians are talking, they're talking about the Russians want to link up with that area. So Lithuania is the one to do it. And the Lithuanians are scared. So, but they're talking about Putin is going to attack and all but dave i mean he maybe he will maybe he will but he can't beat ukraine and his planes are getting shot down left and right if they fly over the ukraine his ships are getting destroyed by ukraine that doesn't even have a navy like a third of their ships have uh, been sunk now destroyed they're afraid to put them out into the black sea because the ukrainians are sinking them the, the most of them they keep on moving them further and further east in towards um, more into Russia to get them away from the Ukrainian missiles. Ukraine drones are regularly bombing uh, the big Russian um, oil refineries and, and that. Um, and I'm posting it all the time. They're blowing them up and burning. And so they're, they're bombing Moscow. Several of their drones have made it to Moscow. So how in the world can they fight NATO, which is a hard, uh, high tech, uh, all the Russian planes that get shot down probably in a week and they can't seem to defend it themselves. Whatever electronics they have isn't helping them or it's not helping them much to stop the Ukrainians. But that's the situation we're in now, folks. Um, Putin is constantly threatening 
nuclear war. Uh, he said if NATO in, in, uh, uh, invades, um, that that will trigger uh, nuclear war. And with these madmen that we have, like Biden, they, they, they do pick up how they're itching. Biden, who was it? Biden said it and some senator said it. Who said, some senator just said it this week. Or maybe it was just the other day. He said that um, it was the, 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 the senator from Delaware. I can't think of his name. Can you think of his name, Dave? Not offhand. All right. He said that if we don't get the, the Russia, uh, Ukraine, the 60 billion, that our soldiers are going to die on the front against the Russians. So they're talking about bringing the U.S. Army, which of course would be NATO, a little bit of NATO anyways, into the Ukraine, fight the Russians. And the Russians say, if you do that, we're going to nuke you. Now, the Russians have said quite a few times, if you do that, we're going to nuke you, and they, they, they haven't. Uh, but this is putting the NATO army you know, kind of like on their border. And I don't think they can defend themselves against NATO. So these maniacs here, Biden said it once, and this, I can't think of his name. I can see his face. He's from, he's from Delaware. And he said, well, if this money doesn't go through and the Ukraine can't defend itself, we're going to have, our, our soldiers will die on the front there fighting the Russians. Uh, so this is extremely volatile. Uh, it's the, uh, volatile there in East Europe with the Russians and the Ukrainians, uh, highly volatile. And then, Dave, uh, I want to focus on uh, closing out here about why it's so volatile in the Middle East, because Russia is behind Syria. Russia is behind um, Hezbollah. Russia is behind Iran. And who knows what supplies they could give them. Maybe they could threaten to, they'll obliterate, they threaten to give Iran nuclear weapons to take on Israel. And Dave, if there is a war like we're talking about, um, the uh, Strait of Hamuz is instantly going to be closed. Iran has that ability to do it. I mean, even if it just closed it for a couple of weeks or a month, it would throw the whole world economy into a tailspin, Dave. And then on the other end, the Houthis, um, they have sunk ships, and they, they have the ability, if our Navy doesn't take their drones and missiles out, they can stop all the shipping coming up the Suez Canal. So these two big uh, shipping lanes, the one in the Persian Gulf and the other one in the Red Sea, could be shut down, Dave, and that would be the end of the world economy. So it would destabilize everything, folks. Everything. Every nation would be destabilized because of that. So that 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 could explode. And who knows? All the Arab countries are going to come together <laughs> to aid um, Syria and um, Iraq, Iran, Jordan. So it has the potential, folks, for huge, huge ramifications for it. And, of course, the Bible does say that. Uh, Dave, anything, uh, any comments in closing? Yeah, John, just like you said, um, Iran has the ability to close the Strait of Hormoz. It's 20 miles wide, but the shipping lanes are only two miles wide. And, yeah, they can close that really easily. 
and I think it's 20% of the world's oil. And then you have the Red Sea with the uh, Suez Canal. Uh, basically, it's just very simple. It would be supply chain disruption, and the price of oil would go through the roof, and uh, it would uh, cause an economic catastrophe across the planet. Yeah, so, just, John, just imagine, Dave, yeah, if uh, yeah. oil, oil here – I mean, if that happened – uh, immediately, I mean, the minute after it happened, you know, a gasoline could go to, uh, I don't know, Dave, $10 or more a gallon. You know, the sky's the if limit. If you could get it, John, yeah, it would be very bad. It. Yeah. Yeah. It would grind the whole uh, world economy would come to a grinding halt. Would come to a grinding halt. And that's right in our face, folks. This isn't, well, this might happen five years. Five years ago is now, Dave, you know, 10 years ago. Well, you know, up in the future, this is going to happen and all the future's now. The future's now, Dave. And you've got, uh, you've got these, uh, madmen in there that, uh, if they can't defeat Israel, then I think they would, uh, relish destroying the world economy. Okay, Dave, um, give us an update on, uh, yourself how things went this week with uh, the prophecy packet sure john um very interesting um Ooh. first i want to give you a little update on um the uh the new track okay um the jerusalem track it's on the on mctbrochures.com it was funny uh we got them printed and you tried sending some by the post office and it took like three weeks to finally get here uh the uh, day or two uh, before it got to me, I called you up and said, Hey, it didn't come. Please send me some, uh, FedEx. So the FedEx came like the day after the post office came. So what I did was I called, uh, Pastor Greg from Abundant Life that's on the same page as us. Okay. And I, um, mailed him that UP, the, uh, FedEx box with a few hundred tracks. So I spoke to him today. <clears throat> He's giving everybody, it's a very large church, John. He's giving everybody a copy as they walk in, and he's going to be doing the whole presentation. He did it today on the track to get everybody interested in end-time evangelism. So <clears throat> that was uh, very exciting. And <clears throat> the update on the shipping department, okay, right now we have plenty of demand, but sad to say two of our major uh, partners in the shipping department that's been donating money for years, there was some maybe uh, – uh, how can you say financial problems? Both of them are now not sending funds. So basically the shipping department is, uh, let's see in the emergency room on a respirator and it's very, very bad timing. So if anybody can help us with shipping, um, it'd be greatly appreciated. John, do you have some of the pictures that we can show from Benya? Yes. Yeah. Hang on. Okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, we're probably working with approximately 50 different pastors in Kenya and uh, they need materials and we send them out all the time. But uh, like I said, right now there's no funds available. So that's the update on the shipping department, John. Now you had mentioned Pastor Zephaniah. Yeah. What's happened folks, um, the brochure. Um, in fact, let me show you. Now, wait, Dave, before I discuss it, what pastor is this that you were discussing, you were talking about? Oh, Pastor Greg from the Abundant Life 
church in Holtzville, okay? Um, he's very interested in prophecy, okay? And we're on the same page. He has copies of The Last Trumpet, the Jerusalem edition, and I just sent him the box that you sent me from FedEx. He has the entire box. So uh, he's all excited, and he's today, yeah. I spoke to him this morning, he has the box, and today at the services, he's giving everybody a copy to get them at wow. the time of evangelism. Wow. And he's suggesting, yeah. yeah, he's suggesting that here's a copy, read it and go give it to a friend or neighbor, you know? So uh, it's exciting, John. It worked out great. Yeah. Yeah. So what's happened is um, Pastor Zephaniah in uh, Kenya went to Bible college in Uganda. And in fact, they, they've upped it to its university now. And he sent the brochure to them. And the the uh, man that's a head of um, Islamic studies there, uh, he the teacher, he read it and he he saw exactly what I did when I wrote it. He got all excited, and he wanted uh, a thousand. Actually, we got him three thousand right away for all the students, and he's going to teach it. Dave, he's going to probably expand upon it and teach it to everyone. Everyone in the school is going to get this. Uh, then he wanted to meet with, he, he called like an emergency call to Pastor Zephaniah and he wanted to meet with him immediately. So Zephaniah printed up uh, 7,000, well, took 7,000 with him to take it to the school. Um, I was hoping the last email or last contact I had with Zephaniah, let me look right now to see if it's an update. No, no update. Um, he said he was crossing the Uganda border with the 7,000 brochures. That's all I heard. I'm waiting to hear from him, but they want me in on the prayer. Oh, they're going to have the, uh, uh, the covenant prayer. The whole school is going to have the covenant prayer. They, they, their goal, Dave, their goal is they want to reach all Africa with this message. The final Excellent. battle over Jerusalem and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm tongue-tied here. I'm so excited. Uh, pastor Zephaniah has contacted all the pastors he knows, and it adds up to this, the request is for 50,000 of these brochures, and they want to take them uh, to the Muslims. Uh, Zephaniah did take them to the Muslims, and he was going to give me an update on it, but I haven't heard from him. I'm a little concerned. I haven't heard from him now in about maybe three days. Last I heard, he he was on the bus, and he told me they were at the uh, Ugandan border, and I haven't heard anything. I know he's all right, but um, I just haven't heard anything. So, folks, it's so exciting. Where I don't look at this as a kind of a brochure, Dave, now, but I look at it as a, as a sermon put in a brochure form. That's what I look at it as. You know, it's, it's like a sermon that's put down in writing into a brochure form. So exciting times, Dave. I mean, we see that what's going on in Israel, the Middle East there, uh, this all-out war that's developing between uh, Israel and uh, Hamas. It's spreading already. It's already spreading. It's How can, Dave, I mean... Uh, Hezbollah and I think uh, Iranian terrorists in Syria have been firing missiles into Israel and they're killing, they've killed some soldiers and some civilians. 
Um, and Israel is on a regular basis bombing Lebanon and over into Syria, where Hezbollah is. Um, Hezbollah is infiltrating Israel to try and get into the cities, and Israel is killing them and running them back and following them across the border into Lebanon. How can that not be a war, Dave? Well, well it is a war. But it is it's a war. Escalate. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm, all right, but it's a war. They're talking right. about, well, Israel might go to war in Lebanon and, and it's, it'll be bombing. Well, they're already at war. They're already bombing. It's just a matter of, uh, I guess you could say, degrees of war. But Israel is already at war. They have 80,000 or more um, civilians that have been displaced. And they can't stay there forever, Dave. They just can't stay there forever. So um, Israel has to do something. And basically, uh, Hezbollah said to Israel, bring it on. Really, that's what they've said to Israel. Bring it on. Uh, we're going to take you on. And it's timing. It's timing with what Israel is doing in Gaza to what they'll do to turn on uh, Hezbollah to the north. So there we are, Dave. That's pretty well. Of course, there's a lot more that we could share. But um, that's pretty well up to date. But it's really, folks, like I described it, how a volcano rises up before it explodes now not all of them some of them do and that's the way this is that whole thing is building like a volcano and it's uh, definitely beyond um israel and the middle east i mean we've got dave yesterday they had uh, 250,000 marching in london for uh, hamas hamas supporters and in here they've had some major uh, it, although it has really calmed down, once the federal government said that they were going to go after these colleges for uh, discrimination against the Jews and all of that, it seemed to really calm them down. Have you noticed it, Dave? Exactly. But, uh, yeah, there's still a big uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, th they haven't changed except that they can't go out in the open because money Colleges will lose their money. Well, they might get lose more than that. But basically, it's just they've suppressed it for a while. But it's not as long as that war is going on, they're losing their minds that Israel is fighting and winning and defending itself. So Israel is not supposed to do that thing. Okay. Um, so we've covered quite a bit of ground here. Dave, is there anything that you would like to add in closing? Well, just one last thought, John. Um, <clears throat> when we see all these things happening, okay, um, we don't know exactly when it's going to, uh, how can we say, uh, basically explode in the Middle East. And this is a big, big opportunity. I'm sure everybody listening, <clears throat> part of their testimony is prophecy. And I'm sure you've spoken to friends, relatives. Well, this should encourage us to share the good news uh, that the Lord's coming back. There is no solution except the second coming. Okay. Um, you know, there's not going to be peace between Hamas or Hezbollah and Israel. It's not going to happen. Uh, we have to wait till Jesus comes back. He's the Prince of peace and, uh, he's going to be, uh, coming soon. So it's a good opportunity, John. 
So is Brother Greg there? Brother Greg is here. Hello, Brother Greg. Hello. Hello, Dave. Hello, hello, Brother Greg. So listen, thanks for everybody for listening. And guys, I'll talk to you during the week. God bless. Okay. Hello, Greg. Thanks for uh, sitting in here. Yeah, thank you uh, for... Uh, <clears throat> I think I've read the new track four or five times and every time. It seems like I see more and more things. So it's very good. Very good. Oh, all right. Um, well, that's quite a bit. You read it four, like four times. Wow. Uh, is there one thing from reading it that stands out in your mind? Well, um, you, you've got to love all of it, but... Um, from Zechariah fourteen twelve down through Isaiah nine seven, and Obadiah was, of course is the end of it, and then um, it's got so many different things that it's it's just amazing. Okay, I, like the way you set it up and um, the the prayers in the back are really good, and. Um, and then the, the comment that you made about Jerusalem will not go on forever. And, right. Um, right. Right. Wow. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's going on. Yeah, I I, uh, I like the way I ended it there. Uh, that I, I wanted to end because in the beginning, on the cover, it says, "And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down." of the non-Jews until the time of the non-Jews be fulfilled. And then it says, Jesus Christ, and it, and it starts off with the uh, verse, Luke 21, 24. And then I ended, the very last thing I said, is Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the non-Jews uh, uh, until the times of the non-Jews be fulfilled, Jesus Christ. So I opened it up yeah. with that. And then I closed it with that. Everything else in between is fits between those that scripture from, and the, that the Lord gave. So I open it up with it and I close with it. And I was very happy with that, doing that. Yeah, it, there's uh, when I go out and hand out the brochures, <clears throat> it's um, pretty amazing that people just I don't know, love to get them. And uh, so that's all I can say about that. You're, you're, the can another... you're, you're the candy man, Greg. You're out there handing out the brochures. You're the candy man handing out candy. <laughs> they all seem to know me, so it's no no big deal. <clears throat> all right, Did Greg. you see the... No, go uh, ahead. Go ahead. Okay. It was... um. Uh, well, it I'll, I'll just let it pass for now. But it was an interesting thing um, having to do with that new pope, that Jesuit pope, that um, he was pushing uh, same-sex marriages. He was pushing uh, every kind of abomination. And then even the people in, uh, I think it's he's from Argentina or Brazil, you remember if it was which that he was um, the pope that's in there born. now, the pope that's in there now. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he's from Argentina. Oh, okay. So the people, most of them in Argentina hate him. And he's been promoting these um, different statues and all this kind of stuff. And um, so they had this uh, uh, one statue that was, uh, I think it was like uh, the Apostle Paul or John or something. No, it's a, it's and, a Peter. It's a Peter. Oh, it was Peter. Oh, okay. And it's huge. And, um, so they had a storm, and it knocked off his whole uh, right arm where he would have used it for the blessing. They like to use the uh, blessing as the right arm, and it's gone. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, Greg, here's the thing about that. It is, uh, it's on that Pope's birthday that that storm hit. And <laughs> the, when he was a, uh, a cardinal, that was the area. He was born in that town, and then the uh, that um, what do you want to call it? That he was the cardinal over that area. So there was a halo around uh, the head of Peter, and that was uh, annihilated. It was just gone. And then his right hand, he was holding something in his right hand, and that his whatever he was holding. And his right hand was gone from the light yeah. strike. Yeah, yeah, that was amazing. Uh, so, so they every time that he would go back to uh, Argentina or was it Brazil? It was Argentina? Oh, okay. So every time uh, he would go there, the people would be rioting in the streets because the priests were molesting the children and everything. Well, uh, Greg, we have a lot of um, ground to cover. We're going to switch from the Middle East to uh, I have a whole bunch. Were you able to cover uh, all, I call it uh, critically important information. Were you able to cover that section, uh, Greg? Well, <clears throat> I read... Uh, everything that I could read from the different ones. So I'm not really sure which one it is. Well, there's, there, yeah, there's, there's one about the Pope that I had in there. Maybe. Oh, okay. We, we had that other older one about a year old where he said that the pedophiles are going to have, that Jesus loves the pedophiles. And they're going to have a special place in heaven. For yeah, them. yeah, uh, yeah. That's what he said. Yeah. Then yeah. he um, also uh, has been almost pre performing same-sex marriages. And maybe, maybe he is doing them. And um, so it all kind of fits together, all of it, like that. He's, he, I guess, he might be the uh, antichrist or something. Who knows? I don't. I don't think so. Because he's too old. Okay. You know, I don't think so. He's too old. But, all right. So uh, I want to go down the, the list here, folks. Um, this week, well, yeah, right, well, from last week, this week uh, a tremendous amount of what I call critical information. And uh, West Virginia here, the state of West Virginia has taken the lead and it's just wonderful what they're planning on doing. All right, here's the headline. West Virginia bill 
seeks to hold librarians criminally liable for allowing children to access allowing children access to obscene books. Wow. And then my comment was this is exactly what is needed to deal with those who try and corrupt the children. I hope it becomes yeah. law. Yeah. Yeah. So um, they're gonna be held liable, criminally liable for allowing a child to be exposed to these obscene books. Greg, I guarantee you a couple of them get convicted and put in jail for it. And all of a sudden those libraries in West Virginia are going to be, they're going to be uh, white as snow, pure as snow. Uh, Greg. Yeah. I wonder about Manchin, how he's doing. Uh, Well, he's not running. Uh, No, he isn't. No. And I, and I'm uh, sure that he wouldn't want anything to do with stuff like that, but. Well, he's lined up with Biden and the people in West Virginia. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're 100% against Biden. And I don't, he couldn't win. I don't think he could win. Now I want to give you something of a good, um, good news. Campus religious groups uh, report greater interest from students trying to find meaning in crumbling culture. Now that's what was happening in 1968 when we had the last outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the uh, Jesus Revolution. It started in the college campuses and it spread from there. And and then as a result of that, I, I came to the Lord in 1974, right on the tail end of the that Jesus revolution, the outpouring uh, of the Holy Spirit, right at the kind of the very end, it, it petered out by well, definitely by the end of the decade, by '79. But now here we are, and it's time for another one, Greg. Time yeah. for another one, and again, I, the college campuses are basically in the same condition as they were uh, 60 years ago. I got saved in 1970, so that um, I was right in the middle of that whole Jesus movement in California, you know. I remember um, news about it, and it was sweeping headlines, big headlines on the magazines. Now, we don't really have magazines today, but back, back then, Time Magazine and Newsweek and all, and they, they, they titled it the Jesus Revolution. And I remember seeing events at, um, at some college. And now at that time, I would have been 70, uh, well, 19, we'll say 1970. I would have been, what, 22. And uh, I remember looking at it, and it was strange. They were all, they looked like they've been, the type to be drug drug addicts was they didn't change uh, at least right away they didn't change their appearance so they looked just like the um we used to call them hippies so it was strange to me when i didn't know the lord at the time it was strange so i said well i guess that's good for them you know they were so messed up i said i guess that that's good for them but they went from being drug addicts and revolutionaries and firebombing colleges to turning to the Lord. So I said, well, I guess that's good for him. 
but little did I know, like four years later, I would uh, I would come to the Lord. So uh, that's wonderful. Let's pray that that is a trigger, the need of the uh, students in college. Because if you talk about empty theology or empty meaning and empty emptiness to life, that's that wokeness and that whole sterile dead. Uh, no truth. There's no truth in those colleges. They, they want to destroy truth universities. So, yeah, Lord, I, we do hope that there. this is just like the foundations laid now or like it was in the 19, late 1960s. Now, this is um, has to do about, here's the, the article, the title of the article. Leading Black Church pours salt on Jewish wounds with mass genocide claim. So this church, it's from the, um, uh, it's one of the largest churches in the, uh, they call it the, Mes the uh, Methodist Episcopalian Church. Anyways, uh, the everything, you know everything that they were saying about uh, the Jews and the Palestinians, but I want you to see what's the foundation doctrine of this church, but it's a denomination. The statement also refers to Jesus Christ as a Palestinian. How do you like that, Greg? Reflecting, reflect, reflecting the false claim of Palestinian nationalists that Jesus identified as a Palestinian. Now, the term Palestinian, the, camps, the Romans did it. The Romans, uh, they picked it up from the Philistines. That's where Palestine comes from, Palestinian term Palestine was not used until a century later after a failed revolt by Jews against Romans. That is the Bahakba uprising in 135-136 AD and uh, Palestinian there was no such things as back in the Lord's day and he was a Jew because Matthew and Luke tell us his genealogy, and he's the son of David, the son of Abraham. So there you go. But this, yeah, they'll they'll, they'll say anything, Greg, anything today. Truth does means nothing today, nothing. Now I want to talk a little about um, uh, the uh, well, yeah, the the invasion of immigrants here. Uh, the title is Texas to Build Military Base on Mexico Border to House 1,800, and it'll be more, 1,800 soldiers, but it's going to be bigger. So it's a, um, it's something like a very large plot of land. I think it's 80 acres. I don't know. It's some, either 40 acres or 80 acres. And they're turning it into a fort for the, uh, for the Texas National Guard. But I just heard the Florida National Guard is probably here now. And then uh, they quickly ran down, and I didn't wasn't able to catch it. I was listening to the news. And it was like the Arkansas National Guard is coming. The Missouri National Guard is coming. The South Dakota National Guard is coming. The, I think, it's either Idaho and Montana. 
National Guards are coming. I think is Oklahoma here already, Greg, in Texas, the Oklahoma National Guard. I'm not sure, but um, probably. Okay. I would imagine. Yeah. Oh, 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 the Louisiana. That was the last one I heard. That was that had come was the Louisiana National Guard. Um, so they're all coming, folks. And um, this is in your face, the Biden. Um, I, I we, we've taken it over now. Here's the problem, and then, but in fact, the big area that was a big hole for the uh, for the migrants to come in it was huge. And the reason, Greg, that that was so desired there was it was very shallow, and it was kind of narrow, so they could just come right across there into Texas. And the uh, the uh, Texas uh, Border Patrol was set up to process them, put them on buses, and and bus them, you know, all over. I mean, the 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 uh, Border Patrol was facilitating illegal aliens coming in by the tens of right. thousands. So that's all cut off now. Uh, virtually none can come get in, but. It's porous in other areas, not the way it is here or was here. So the uh, Texas National Guard and these other National Guards are going to be strung out along the border. I guess they'll probably build more forts along the border, and they'll be able to shut it down to almost nothing in Texas. The the problem is, well, here's the problem, Greg. Um, the, the governor of Utah, governor of Utah, the governor of Arizona, she stole the election. So that board right. is open. Right. And then, and then Newsom, of course he is what he is. So the California border is open. Yeah. So Texas, we, we, we are shutting it down, but it might have no effect or little effect because it'll take them a while to shift the roots over. To, to um to um Arizona and, and and California, but as far as Texas goes, it pretty soon it'll be really tight. They want to expand uh, extend that razor wire thirty miles uh, from where they are now. They want to, I don't know which direction, maybe both directions, but they want to extend the. Um, uh, the uh, razor wire there along the border to completely seal it up. Now, there was an island somewhat in dispute along the Rio Grande River between Texas and Mexico. And we weren't, America really wasn't interested that much, and neither was Texas. It was kind of just a uh, low-growth island you couldn't do anything with. But the drug cartels did. So the drug cartels mm. used to run their uh, drugs and guns and all of this uh, through that island. So the uh, Texas National Guard said that they had enough. And they went in there a short time ago and really just cleaned it out. And they brought bulldozers in to bulldoze <clears throat> really everything on the island so you could see. If the uh, drug cartels are coming across it, you can see it now. 
so that was a, really? that got that got a big deal here in Texas about the uh, drug the drug cartels set up on this island, and they were doing their thing on this island. Right, that island was sort of it was sort of like the Rio Grande split a little, and the island was between Mexico and uh, the Rio Grande split around it, but it was basically shallow. So you could move across it. Well, anyways, that that made a big deal here in Texas that the National Guard went in and no, it wasn't the National Guard. I think it was state. Well, I don't know who went in. Someone from the state here in Texas went in there and cleared it out. All right. Hmm. So it's um, as far as Texas. Texas has taken the lead, and uh, they the um, they immediate huge numbers. Oh, illegal alien has been choked down and, and shut off, and we'll see what happens. Now, I have a uh, short video here. It's about five minutes, and it's from uh, Tucker Carlson, and it's called Im Immigrant Invasion of America, and it's uh, really good. So let me get set up for this, and I'll get it across, and we can watch it. The story of history is the story of invasions. One group of people moving into someone else's land and taking it. One nation ends, another begins. Invasions drive history. Few Americans understand this is happening to them right now. The United States of America is being invaded. For the love of God, this is a damn invasion. Who is allowing this? They invaded our privacy. I think it's an invasion of the country. In other words, it's ending. The country you grew up in no longer exists. Soon it will be unrecognizable. No one is fighting back. Few are even acknowledging it. And the people who lead us are letting it happen. Why are our leaders letting this happen? Well, to destroy the country and to change the demographics. Who lives here determines what the country's like. This country is changing faster than you may understand. Americans are being replaced. That's not a conspiracy theory, it's a fact. In August of 2023, illegal immigration outpaced American births, a brand new population. Last year alone, over three million people came here illegally just over our southern border. The media won't tell you it's happening, but if you look around, you can see it, and you can see it most clearly in our cities, which are collapsing. We elect people to protect us. That's what politicians are paid to do. But they've done the opposite. They've sold us out and they've crushed what our ancestors built. Take a look at our cities. They're hellish and immigration is the reason. The city of Chicago was in tough shape even before Joe Biden opened the border. Now, parts of it are basically uninhabitable. Even the socialist mayor of Chicago says the city is breaking under the strain. Without real significant um, investment from our federal government, it won't just be the city of Chicago that won't be able to maintain this mission. It's the entire country that is now at stake. The Illinois Chicago's politicians may complain about illegal immigration in public, but in private, they're paying for it with your money. They're spending more on illegal aliens than on their own citizens. They're doing this secretly. They're hiding it from the public. Our team uncovered a shadow terminal, for example, inside Chicago O'Hare Airport. Hundreds of migrants were being hidden there secretly. Our team pulled up with cameras rolling, and at first we didn't see much. The city erected a black tarp to hide what was going on. 
The motive was simple. They didn't want us to see it. And a third-party security group paid for with your tax dollars told us that was prohibited. We weren't allowed to see. What are you doing? I want to look inside. For what? For what? They weren't local or federal law enforcement, so we ignored them. They had no authority. They were rent-a-cops. Inside, our team found more than 100 beds on the floor. The smell was overpowering, repulsive. It was filthy. But it's not just airport terminals that have been given over to people who've come here illegally from the poorest countries in the world without permission, criminally, and yet being supported in every detail of their lives by taxpayers. No, even police stations in Chicago have been turned into refugee camps. This is new video never seen before of what's actually happening inside Chicago's police stations. Keep in mind, the people who work in those police stations are paid to protect you, but that's not what they're doing. They're running refugee camps for illegal aliens. As our cameramen approached the Chicago police precinct in the city's downtown to see what was happening inside, you see people come out, illegal aliens, shooting in the middle finger and yelling. They didn't hide their hostility. Many other illegals have been pushed into poorer, predominantly black neighborhoods on the south side. We went there. We spoke to someone who has lived on the south side of Chicago virtually his entire life. He's enraged by how the city has fallen apart under its sanctuary city policy. Andre Smith, CEO of Chicago Against Violence. I don't know the count, but I know that the readiness, the language of sanctuary city, state, and county should have had a plan, but it led to a massive destruction. I have seen almost the worst of the worst in Chicago, but seeing this migrant crisis was the most devastating thing that I ever seen. You live in America, the place you grew up, the place you'd like to see your children grow up in much the way that you did. But that won't be possible because of the single greatest sellout in our history. Hundreds of years of America eliminated by an invasion that our leaders made possible. You should know that. Okay, Greg, uh, what do you think? I, um, there's no surprise whatsoever. Uh, when I was living in Chicago, we were there. We had a church. We were witnessing the people every day and uh, working also. And um, it was totally different. It was uh, a very good neighborhood uh, back then. Uh, it was a Puerto Rican neighborhood. Uh, yeah, now it's it's completely being turned into third world. With Where, yeah. where are the jobs coming from? For these people, there's no, there's they they plan to keep them on the government roll, dole there. Uh, there's no hospital care. They'll end up. You won't be able to go to the hospital. I'm sure there's probably places in Chicago, now New York, where the hospitals are all falling apart with this education. You know, I mean, this is all purposely done to destroy the nation and. Folks, we need to be on our knees crying out to the Lord for mercy because we are a wicked nation for God to allow this to happen. It's not an accident, folks. Judgment from the Lord. We promoted the home. And I say we, not me and you, corporately, the nation, um, the, the massive killing of babies. Now, it's been changed where it's up to the states. And it shut down here in uh, Texas, which is wonderful. 
but still, it's, for many states, it's business as usual. Then the homosexual, I mean, it, I think the worst was uh, the Supreme Court recognized homosexual marriage. I think that was that was the final straw with the Lord for America. Prob so, I, I mean, it's, I'm giving you doom and gloom because it's the truth. We can't ignore this. What we need is massive repentance and crying out to the Lord. And that's what I've been doing the best I could as the Lord gave me opportunity with that cry unto the Lord prayer covenant for repentance and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I mean, we will, Tucker is absolutely 100% right. We will not have a, an America as this big, uh, I don't know how many a million. I hear everything from 6 to 11, 12 million have come in under Biden. You know, as time goes on, um, they're going to radically change the country, especially the city. Greg, I'm hearing now, both in New York and Chicago, where Venezuelan uh, gangs are taking over. We've imported them. There's no checks on who the who they are. We've just brought them in, done purposely. And I I didn't um, I didn't. Uh, get the number i should have maybe posted this article but last year in new york there was um 4300 police officers attacked and and are wounded and this year it's 1800 already 1800 and it's coming from uh, uh mostly the immigrants now uh, the police in new york city or retiring and quitting and getting jobs in other places at record numbers the mayor in both new york and chicago said that they had to uh, stop funding like a lot of the police because that they needed for the illegal aliens so having all sorts of crime problems illegal aliens so what's the, how do you how do you what's your solution to that well lay off police you could see it, folks. You could see it that they're going to collapse. New York and Chicago, God's hand the judgments on it. You can see it. You're going to have huge numbers of uh, people getting out, businesses closing, leaving. Uh, the city, I, I could see New York City and Chicago like Detroit. Yeah. Massive, yeah. passive population declines massive and the middle class fleeing so there's no one to pay the taxes for it's happening extremely rapidly so greg um without the repentance before the lord uh we have no hope with, with the god sending and outpouring of the holy spirit we have hope and of course greg we're looking for the hour we're in we're looking for christ coming but we can't just let it go, folks. We can't, at least I can't. I can't just just let the whole thing go when what, when there was no repent, very little repentance from the church. And uh, there should have been an outcry from the church with the homosexual marriage. There was very little, folks. There's more about abortion than the, the homosexual stuff. So, um, 
Biden has done his best, whoever his handlers are, to destroy swaths of America now. And it's really hitting hard on the cities, really, really hard. And, and they could collapse into third world, uh, third world cities. Done purposely, folks. That's what's so sad about this. Done purposely. But by elected politicians. All right. Um, there's a book coming out. Did you hear about the book coming out? Another uh, Peter uh, Schweitzer book? I've got all of his books, I think, except for one. <clears throat> it's coming out, but uh, I think, this week. Good. Good. Yeah. Yeah, it's always got a lot of good information in there. This is supposed to be, wow, uh, what do you want to call it? The book of the books. Uh, oh, okay. HarperCollins to release Peter Schweitzer's block, blockbuster, a towering achievement of investigative journalism. Uh, let's see. Indeed, the release of Peter Schweitzer's book has become somewhat of an event on Capitol Hill. <laughs> Listen to this. As staff is braced to see whether the names of their senator or member of Congress appear in the index <laughs> and whether Schweitzer's famous follow the money revelations will lead to their boss's resignation or investigation. We used, uh, we're used to politicians behaving badly and get away with it. A Schweitzer book is one of those rare occasions where corruption revelations actually turn into results with real consequences. Um, and, and then now Breitbart, the editor, chief editor in chief of Breitbart says, we're just getting started. So this book here, according to people that have reviewed it and all is like the mother load of, uh, uncovering corruption and corrupt politicians and money and all. Uh, so I guess you, you're going to, I'm, I'm looking for the name of it here. Let me see if I, I don't have the name of it, what I quoted, but let me get it. So, um, you know, the name of it, Greg, you might want to run out and get it. Um, yeah. okay. It's called blood money. Okay. Why the powerful turn a blind eye while China kills Americans. And on the cover, it's got Newsom, Fauci, um, uh, AOC, and that guy there, Trump calls him, uh, I think Trump calls him, uh, Pencil Neck, what's his name? The congressman from California. Well, anyway. Oh, um, yeah, the one that was um, shacked up with the... Uh, um, no. No, no, not, not with fan fan. He's this guy here. Oh, I, I can't think of it. Anyways, that's the book, Blood Money. Better go out and get it, Craig. <laughs> yeah. And, and give us a report. I want a written report on it. And you can, you okay. can, you can read it and uh, give us a blow by blow. This guy, Schweitzer, is amazing. I mean, he is. How do you uncover all this, Greg? I mean. Well, the things that he uncovers yeah. are not politically correct, but they are truthful. Yes. And uh, what I'm saying is, how do you that. dig this? Yeah. How do you dig this out to get it? 
they don't, you know, th- these uh, criminal politicians, they, they don't hang a sign out and say, here are all my business deals, look at business deals. So how does he do it? I, I, I don't. From reading his other books, could you tell how he was able to uh, uncover such information? Well, he does uh, have a lot of people that work for him that go out and then they probably double check him, you know. And um, so it's very, um, he's very um, um, non-annoying. The way that he uh, writes the books is um, it's, it's interesting and it keeps your interest. It's hard to lay them down after you start them. No, I understand that. But how, where do you dig this up? You know what I mean? How do you, they're not just broadcasting what we're doing. He's got to go out and uncover it. So, but it's not one book. How many books has he written now? Five or six? Oh, no, way more than that. Uh, Well, juicy ones that I'm talking, we're talking about getting all the corruption. All right. Well, if you find yeah. that out, let me know. Um, a couple other key things here I want to bring out. Young evangelical support for Israel plummets. This is real serious. Um, as of 2021, only 33.6 of young evangelicals under 30 support Israel, compared to 68% in 2018. That's a huge drop. At the same time, in, in 2021, 24.3% of young uh, evangelicals say that they support the Palestinians compared to only 5% uh, three years before. So this is, it's like um, uh, like the church collapsing right in front of our very eyes. I mean, it's one thing to say, okay, I don't support Israel. Another thing to say, um, I'm supporting um, Hezbollah or the Palestinians. That's huge. Huge. Yeah. Um, there's, let's see. Uh, also, what I want to share is there was a, um, a sheriff that he, he went viral by what he was bringing forth. And he had a meeting many, many sheriffs in the United States at a meeting with the FBI and um, uh, the FBI said that there's no doubt that there's a terrorist attack coming. We've got all these signals and all, and that's all BS. The FBI is behind it. The FBI was behind January 6th. The FBI is, did nothing, did nothing to um, Black Lives Matter. They did nothing to um, Antifa, nothing. Um, the FBI is promoting this. I know they are. Just they are very dangerous folks, and they're telling us that there is this huge terrorist attack coming. Well, they they're getting out in front of it, folks. They're going to be so wonderful, telling us. Excuse me, that's I had a sneeze. That came from nowhere. Uh, they're telling us, oh, this, well, why didn't they bring this out a year or two ago when it started with Biden three years ago with all these illegal aliens coming? 
FBI silent, not a, not a peep. Now, all of a sudden, we're warning you. We got all this knowledge somehow that there's a massive terrorist attack coming, you know. Um, well, they're getting out ahead of it because they're behind it. And they know what it's coming, and they want to be the good guy. They're warning us that uh, this terrorist attack is coming. Because that, that uh, and the, uh, the, uh, the sheriff there, he was from Ohio, he said from talking to the FBI that, um, and the federal government in general, that when this hits, it's going, the, the communities are going to have to defend themselves. Isn't that nice? That's what, that's what he says here. Yeah. Yeah, let me read it to you. We've been told, this is from Sheriff uh, from Butler County, uh, Ohio. I, I don't know his name here. I think it's Jones, as a matter of fact. We've been told that, again, they're coming here to do harm to us. No joke. Thank you, FBI. And even Ohio or in the United States were going to uh, not be able to call and ask for help from the federal government. They're going to be busy. The military is not coming. The National Guard is not coming. When 9-11 hit, it was all the police and fire, and they were to- they were in total, total organized chaos, he added. With the 2024 election on the horizon, Sheriff Jones, yeah, that's his name, has unveiled a comprehensive plan aimed at bolstering the resilience of Butler County civilians against the spectrum of threats from cyber attack to terrorist infiltrations. Yeah, so the FBI is saying, hey, look, yeah, we're telling you this, but we're not going to be able to help you. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, they are so evil, evil. And then I want to switch over to the health blog, which I haven't mentioned in a long time. And in the health blog I just posted here, um, who H H W H O chief's dire warning disease X outbreak, a matter of when, not if now that's coinciding with what the FBI said, Greg, do you see it? Yep. Now, how does the, the who, I, I can't think of that guy's name. I can see his face. Who's the head of the who, how does he know? There's going to be a disease X outbreak. What is disease X? They haven't told us. So how do they know it's, it's oh, it's so bad? And they, they do. It says it, it's way worse than COVID. So how, how do they know it? Because well, they, they're the ones they running probably, it. They yeah. probably want Remember that our group of people that were it was Northeast California. I forget what exactly the city was, but um, they had all this Ebola, every kind of uh, wicked poison. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, that lab. It was a Chinese-run lab. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't even know they were operating it. And some inspector happened to be checking the building and saw some irregularities and did they dug deeper and she came up with this was a Chinese communist lab. 
developing all sorts of, uh, I don't know, anthrax and all sorts of stuff was in it. Yeah. Yeah. Biden uh, was with T like three weeks ago or something up in uh, Northern California. And he came out. They were just so happy together. They look like they were, uh, uh, Biden wanted to join up with the Chinese or something. I mean, that's crazy. All right. This is what I said about the uh, WHO chief. First, the FBI tells us there is no doubt terrorism is coming. And now the, the WHO is saying there is no doubt disease X is on the way. These evil bureaucrats have it set up to kill us off for their uh, plan to cull the earth so that they can take over. COVID-19 along with the death shot was just the beginning. You know, it's so evil that people, if you haven't, if, if you're just introduced to this, Greg, it's hard for the average person to uh, believe it. Well, maybe today with all the lies about COVID and things like that, there are a greater percentage of people that believe it, but they're so evil and they're out in the open with it. And if you've got eyes to see and ears to hear, there it is. So, um, uh, it's, um, it's like two weeks apart, maybe not two weeks, maybe less than two weeks apart before the FBI telling us no doubt that this terrible, terrorism is going to hit and the WHO saying, Oh, uh, this terrible disease X. Well, what is it? Tell us what it is. Have you heard them, Greg, tell you what it is? No, no, no. And then they're going to have miraculously, they're going to have a vaccine for it, Greg. So Yeah, 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 right. Right. So some disease is coming that they don't, know what it is or well, they know what it is but they're telling us you know it's some mysterious disease but we're going to have a vaccine in three months for it don't worry don't worry <laughs> so please be prepared folks please um do build your immune system now uh, you can do things like cut sugar out get away from those terrible oils Canola oil and soy oils, and, and stay with um, it wrecks havoc in your body. Those oils and the sugar. Stay with um, butter, olive oil, coconut oil. Uh, don't go. Don't use those other oils. They're devastating for you. Stevia's poison. Yeah, that's that one is really dangerous. So take a lot of vitamin D three. Because um, vitamin D3 alone can really get you through a lot of physical trouble, folks. Oh yeah. I uh, plus your body, your body can uh, handle uh, 2,000 2, milligrams of vitamin C every hour. I learned that back yeah. when I got had a real bad uh, burn with hot tar and. Ooh. So I, I had people wake me up on the hour, and then I'd take 2,000 milligrams of vitamin C. And then uh, after about five days of that, uh, I pushed on my arm, and the pus just came out. It was like a hole 
our coffee cup full of pus. Oh. Greg, so, were you doing roofing? Yeah. I, I, was, I had uh, hot tar crews and everything. Did a lot of that. I, I did it in Houston's uh, Fifth Ward. We roofed uh, all the stuff after Hurricane Frederick over there. Because I, uh, I did roofing there when I was in college, and um, we did hot tar. Yeah. And I, I was deathly afraid of that because it, if you got that on, you would burnt right down to the bone, that stuff. So I used to – we had ladders back then. We didn't have um, the, the – uh, what do you call those ladders? The electric ladders? Oh, yeah. That's very dangerous carrying those buckets up. Yeah. I would carry them yeah. to my. I would carry them to my side, never in front of me, and I hand them up to the uh, to the to the mechanics. I'd hand them up uh, to, from my side, never in front of me. Yeah, uh, that, 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 that's the way that you do yeah, it. You got the hot stuff on you like that; it, it could kill you, burn right down to your bone. Oh yeah. So, all right. Um, now, here's what the um, World Health Organization says. World Health Organization demands surveillance powers to monitor every man, woman, and child with disease control. So that, that, that's this year they want it, this year, coinciding with Disease X coming. What a, what a coincidence, Greg. All right, oh, from, yeah. the, from the article, for those wondering how the WHO could possibly justify invading the privacy of every single person on earth the answer is obvious the global globalist elite need these new powers so governments can prepare for the event of the next pandemic the who is calling for expanded tracking powers and the latest draft of its international pandemic treaty that's right they are still pushing for the pandemic treating treaty which means they have not given up on convincing nations to hand over their sovereignty to Bill Gates funded global institutions. So what they'll do folks, they'll try and get this disease X out, which they said is like 10 times worse than COVID and uh, COVID-19 and scare everybody. And you know, maybe, maybe they've gotten it more potent and scare everybody. Well, They'll, they'll stampede all the nations into uh, signing this treaty. So then it's slam dunk for the new world order. You want to know who was uh, administering the uh, COVID shots? Yeah. Wal Walmart. Oh, my. And I knew the guy. I knew the guy that uh, did it at one Walmart. Uh, I sold them a house one time. And, um, yeah, he told me the whole thing, what they were doing. And there was another one. There were two Russians living near me. And um, the lady, she was uh, for the, uh, she was in, uh, in the army, but she was a Russian. And um, she would not take that shot, but she administered, they forced her to administer them. And I think there were like 3,000 Things that she uh, put, her husband told me like three thousand shots that she uh, administered, but she wouldn't take it herself. That's how backwards everything was. 
Greg, we're out of time. Oh, I'm out of time. I'm going to close in prayer, Greg, and then I want to do the uh, cry unto the Lord prayer covenant. So I got I got to watch the time. Next week we'll get you in. All right. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah, Father, we covered some serious issues tonight, Lord, and I want all your people protected, Uh, Lord. We're asking that you would send confusion for their plans for terrorist attacks, plans to kill us with diseases, Lord, all man-made. This is evil, evil. Uh, The Bible says all they that hate God love, uh, uh, love death. That these people love death, Lord. They love it. Lord, I'm asking that you trip them up. You confuse them. It won't work. Have mercy on us, Lord. Lord, I'm asking that each one of us, uh, in light of what they want to do, Lord, I mean, they could pull some stuff off, that we watch our health, Lord, with things like sugar and those, uh, those oils, Lord. And we need vitamin D3. It's it's like a like a miracle vitamin. And coconut oil, olive oil, butter. So Lord, um, we've got the knowledge out there, and that system, Lord, that food system, it's designed, Lord. They know what those oils do. They know it, Lord, and they promote it. It's it's criminal, Lord. They're attacking us from so many angles. So Lord, I want you. Your people protected, Lord. Their health protected. And so, Lord, uh, we're looking for a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, we're looking for you. Uh, You're the first thing, Lord. Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So, uh, strengthen us all in the blessed hope, Lord. Let us um, live just like the first Thessalonians in First Thessalonians, Lord, the church there, they were looking. Their life was the blessed hope. So let that be ours too. Lord. And uh, all right, now pray unto the Lord, prayer covenant. Abba Father, we come before you in the precious name of the Lord Jesus, understanding the hour in which we live. We see the day of the Lord approaching, and we are crying out to you according to your word. We cry out in repentance for our sins and the sins of our nations. We cry out for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We realize that the time is short before the Lord Jesus comes for his bride. But according to your word, the outpouring of the Spirit will continue until he comes. We are humble. Whoops, let me get that before you, folks. We are humble before you with the manifest sins of our nations recognizing how this offends your holiness. By faith, we, we ask for one more outpouring of the Holy Spirit, both to win untold numbers of souls to the Lord Jesus and to hold back the terrible spirit of Antichrist. With this mighty outpouring, we ask for the healing of the brokenhearted, the opening of prison to them that are bound, and the setting at liberty to them that are bruised. Abba, free us completely from the spirit of bondage and fear and fill us with power, love, and a sound mind. Free us completely of unbelief and have us grow mighty in faith to please you. In the past, you sent many great outpourings of the Holy Spirit. And we are asking our Abba for one more before the groom comes for his bride. The church was birthed 
with the power of the Holy Spirit. And we want to go with you in that same power. The great outpouring first came to Jerusalem. We beseech you for another great outpouring of your spirit upon your people Israel, like you first sent 2,000 years ago. Abba Father, we love you as little children and believe the word with the same faith as children. We ask for our, our when we ask our Abba, uh, we know that he hears us. Father, as the end grows near, it is like the days of Noah. To protect us from the wicked one and from the love of the world, we come under the power and authority of your word and your name. We are growing close to you for protection and asking that you heal all the broken hearts of your people, along with freeing us from bondage, so the bride is ready for the groom. Amen. If anyone would like this um, prayer covenant, email me. And, at, you know, you know the email, mct911 at aol.com. And I, I'll send that to you. I can email it back to you. And also, I have the timeline for the great outpourings of the Holy Spirit that goes along with the prayer covenant. So, um, and then again, the brochure. Please, folks, you heard Brother Dave's testimony about the, uh, actually, actually, the first church he got involved with there and how they're going to, they want to ignite the whole church with it. And then how we're dealing with the uh, a college in Uganda. They literally have a vision that they want to sweep Africa with this message. So be a part of it, folks. And if you write to me and you want some uh, hard copies here, uh, I can mail you with no problem uh, up to about eight. That'll fit in an envelope. So I can, uh, I'll send them to you. So email me, include your address. All right, Brother Greg, anything you want to say in closing? Well, if anybody's not saved, it's a good time right now to uh, uh, confess that Jesus is your uh, Savior, that he died on the cross and shed his blood for the remission of his sins, and um, he rose from the dead on the third day, conquered death, hell, and the grave, and just say a little prayer like this, like, uh, Dear God, I am a sinner. I need forgiveness for my sins. I believe that Jesus shed his precious blood on the cross at Calvary, and I now invite you into my heart, Lord Jesus, and we thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving our souls. Amen? Amen, Greg. Thank you. Thank you for that. We always got time for that, Greg. Always got time. All right, God bless everybody. We'll see you tomorrow morning at uh, 10 a.m. Eastern for prayer. And then tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Eastern for Watch and Pray. Now, uh, Pastor Fred comes also and uh, he brings forth a wonderful teaching of the word, folks. Wonderful. So you're all welcome. And then after he finishes, we have prayer. So uh, God bless you now. Oh!